Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Why do so many children appear to have memories of other lives? Is reincarnation what it appears to be, or could there be some other explanation? What should you do if your own child starts telling stories about being someone else? Hey there, and welcome to the 519th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben, and those useful questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. And this evening we bring you a guest who is eminent, indeed, in his guestliness. Uh, I don't even know if that's a term, but whatever, uh, on a very interesting subject. And uh, we do welcome your phone calls. The number locally is 401-766-1240 and anywhere in the U.S. or Canada at 800-449-1240. Dr. Jim B. Tucker is a board-certified child psychologist, a psychiatrist, I should say, and is medical director of the Child and Family Psychiatric Clinic and assistant professor at both the Division of Perceptual Studies and the Division of Child and Family Psychiatry at the University of Virginia. His primary academic research interests are children who seem to remember previous lives and prenatal and birth memories. He is the author of Life Before Life, a scientific investigation of children's memories of previous lives, which presents an overview of more than 40 years of reincarnation research at the University of Virginia Division of Perceptual Studies. Dr. Tucker worked with renowned 20th century researcher Dr. Ian Stevenson <clears throat> excuse me, before taking over upon Stevenson's retirement in 2002. Dr. Tucker is familiar in the broadcast media and the, on the subject of reincarnation, and his most recent book is Return to Life, Extraordinary Cases of Children Who Remember Past Lives. His website, uh, hold on to your hats here, www.reincarnationtruth.com slash jimtuckermd.html. We'll, that, there's a link to that on our webpage. BehindTheParanormal.com. So, Dr. Jim, welcome to be uh, Behind the Paranormal. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Oh, well, it's great to have you with us. So let's start off with something well, simple to, to get the ball rolling here. What is the popular definition of uh, reincarnation, and how does it compare with what you found? Well, the idea of reincarnation is one that's been around for centuries, and it's basically that when somebody dies, that they're... Uh, they're part of them, a spirit or soul or something, continues on and, and then uh, carries on into a new life, into a new child. And uh, what we have found in now over 50 years of investigation is that there are young children uh, from all over the world, basically, who report memories from a past life. And sometimes they give enough names and details where people have gone and found that, in fact, somebody lived and died whose life matches what the child said. Now, that wouldn't necessarily mean that we all reincarnate, but, but these cases do provide evidence that, uh, at least in certain circumstances, that, that memories and, and emotions can carry over from one life to the next. Hmm. All right. That's very interesting. Uh, what circumstances would you suggest contribute to this transfer? Well, one aspect is that the previous life usually ended either uh, by unnatural means, meaning murder, suicide, accident, or ended uh, early, ended when the person was young. So in 70% of our cases, the previous person died by unnatural means. And even in the natural death cases, 
uh, the person often died young, and in fact, a quarter of the, the natural death cases, the person was under the age of 15. Uh, so those seem to be factors that make it more likely that at least the, the memories will carry over and, and uh, show up in a child. So just, just uh, to get my bearings here, uh, the, the reference to 40 years of research, is that your 40 years of research? Uh, no, that's and like I said, it's now 50 years. Ian Stevenson, who started this work, he's, he made his first trip in 1961. Oh, yeah, I'm very familiar with his work. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I've been involved since the late 90s. So oh, I see. Okay. All right. I, uh, and, and let me just say, for more information, that uh, website you gave—I'm not sure exactly what that is—but but the okay. easiest website for me is uh, just jimbtucker.com. Oh well, that's much uh, much better. Thank you, and we'll give you a chance to uh, talk about that a little later in the show sure. after the break. Okay. When it comes to different cultures, do you find any differences in the nature of reincarnation memories or the process as you just outlined it? Well, there can be differences in some of the features, but the, the basic overall uh, picture of these cases is, is the same everywhere. It's where a very young child, usually between the age of two or three, will start saying that uh, they have memories from a past life. And again, it, it's often one that ended prematurely. And the children will often focus on, on the end of the previous life. Three-quarters of them will talk about how the previous person died. And um, and they will also often show emotions. They may cry on a daily basis to go back to the previous family. Uh, they often show behaviors such as uh, phobias related to the mode of death. With the unnatural death cases, 35% of the kids will show a phobia. Uh, so all of these features are, are basically the same worldwide. Uh, there are some that show up differently, and, and it may just be an issue of sort of sampling of where we hear about the cases. So in, in places where there's a belief that everyone reincarnates as the same sex as, as they were before, then we get very few reports of what we call sex change cases. Huh. Uh, whereas overall, it's about 10% overall, but in some places it would be less. Uh, there are some places where where the people believe that uh, reincarnation occurs where the child is born exactly nine months after the, the previous person dies. In other words, there's an immediate transfer at conception. So in those cases, again, the ones that get reported to us usually are ones that match that uh, cultural belief. But, but in, in general, the overall process is the same effort. So what sort of fear... You mentioned uh, these these children all have... Um Fears that have carried over from their uh, past lives. Like, what what sort of fears? Is there like some sort of correlation between the fears? Well, there's a correlation with with the mode of death. So, for instance, there's a little girl in Thailand who, from the time she was born, hated to be put in water, and it, it took three adults, uh, even when she was an infant, to hold her down to give her a bath. And then, when she got old enough to talk, uh, she described a girl in, in another village who had drowned in an accident. Uh, and that's the kind of thing that, that we see frequently with these cases. Uh, it would seem that that sort of a traumatic experience that at, at the moment of death has been produced this, this fear that shows up in the child. All right. The, when I was starting out in the 70s in work, well, researching the paranormal, as it were, three things about reincarnation troubled me. One was 
simply the work of Albert Einstein and subsequent physicists who have essentially proven that time as we experience it does not exist. There is no past and no future in the objective sense. There was that, okay, which created a problem, in my mind anyway, about classical reincarnation as far as past or future is concerned, even rebirth. Another thing was that uh, when I would talk to regression therapists over the years, I would ask them, have you ever encountered a subject who describes a world you do not recognize or a world that might be in the future or gives a date in the future? And I, the response is, I don't know if you've ever asked that question. I'm sure you have. But uh, the responses I received over the years were rather remarkable. So that very often, Not all said yes, but some would say it's, it's really interesting that you asked that because only last week somebody told me it was the year 2149 or somebody gave me a date that I didn't even recognize uh, it, it was combinations of letters and numbers and a lot of very strange things. So not just past lives, as it were. And then number three, uh, having been primarily a, a quote-unquote ghost researcher over, over the years, why, if, if reincarnation is true in the classical sense, why are there so many quote-unquote ghosts? You know, how come they haven't reincarnated? Uh, so uh, I know I've thrown a lot at you there, but, but what say you on all this? What about the time thing? Well, time is certainly a, uh, an interesting thing. And I, you know, I do talk about that some in, in my new book. But yes, I, I, that's why I asked the question. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. On a quantum level, it doesn't seem that time doesn't seem to be necessary for any of the equations. But I mean, we certainly know that there's definitely a sequence of events. So, I mean, my childhood took place, and now my adulthood is taking place. So, uh, in the same way, one might might say my past life took place, and now this life. Well, there is a, there is a recognition that the time is a function of our consciousness. So there is, there is subjective time, apparently, you know. But as far as a objective progression from past to future, it just from this point of view, just doesn't seem to exist. So uh, l let me well, let, let's go through the other things. Uh, why I don't know where, where you are in ghost research, but I'm sure you've talked to regression people about uh, have you yourself um, used regression or have you encountered people who do who have uh, reported things such as I've just mentioned? Well, I have to say that, that we're actually quite skeptical about regression. Here. As am I, yeah. Um, because hypnosis is, is quite an unreliable tool, even for mm -hmm. memories of this life, where, where sometimes you can get amazing hits, like people remember license plates at crime scenes or whatever, but a lot of times the mind just seems to fill in the blanks with, with sure. fantasy. Yeah. Um, so... Um, there's that. As far as our kid cases go, what we're seeing in the children may not be representative of what typically happens, but, it, but in these cases where you've got uh, kids with preserved memories, and typically it's, the past life was quite recent, so you've got this child who seems to come back quickly and come back with intact memories, and usually from fairly nearby, usually the same country, um, all of this may be sort of one end of, of the bell curve, and, and it, again, may not be representative, but, but it, with our cases, that's, that's what we see, that, that kids are describing recent ordinary lives uh, from usually fairly nearby, and 
they have these memories. Okay, well, well let, let me say before I proceed that, that your book, and I have not had a chance to read all of it, but it, it is, I think, the finest presentation I have ever seen on this subject. It is feet on the ground. It is uh, well-researched, and uh, you may not consider some of the questions we, we've mentioned, but I, it is the best I've ever seen. And I don't often say that, and I have been a professional book editor, so my compliments are not uh, are rather few and far between for authors. So uh, well done on the book, certainly. Well, thank, thank you very much. Uh, Return to Life, Extraordinary Cases of Children Who Remember Past Lives. Okay. Uh, right, but, and then your last question about uh, if reincarnation is true, why are there so many ghosts around? Well, you know, I don't think that the the process is necessarily uniform where it's the same for everybody. And both with our cases and with, with hauntings or, or apparitions or whatever, um, they may be situations where something happens that changes the normal process. So it, it, it may be that typically when we die, this piece of us, this consciousness, um, has other kinds of experiences in other realms. Uh, in, in our cases, it happens to be the consciousness stays sort of attached to this realm and, and uh, the memories come up in, in another child. It may be with, with haunting cases that, again, there, there's the, a consciousness is staying attached to a particular location. Uh, but I don't think one necessarily precludes the other one from happening. Okay. No, I accept that. Just our particular interpretation and one that is becoming more popular in the, the pan-paranormal world, if I may use that term, including UFOs and all this business, is that uh, we're dealing possibly with the multiple worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics. You've got parallel worlds with parallel versions of us and this, this sort of thing. I mean, th that in our work has made the most sense, far more so than dead people and people fully clothed without their bodies and all this business. So uh, th th that is... One explanation, perhaps, that could be considered for some of the reincarnation events, anyway, and certainly for ghosts. But in any case, um, the uh, the case of uh, I guess Ben, you were going to ask this about the case about oh Ryan. yeah 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 the case about Ryan, as my dad was about to say, is it's pretty interesting. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh sure, uh, Ryan is a little boy from Oklahoma, and he started talking about a life in Hollywood, and um, what good quite upset about missing people and things he had done. So to try to help him deal with it, his mom checked some, some books of, about old Hollywood out at the library, and, and they were looking through them one day when Ryan pointed to a man in, in a picture from a uh, old movie and said that's who he had been in his past life. And even before he did that, he pointed to another man in the picture and said, hey, that's George. We did a movie together. And then pointed to this other guy and said, hey, that's me, I found me. Well, the first guy he pointed to is George Raft, who, who those of us of a certain age remember from the movies. And uh, the other guy he pointed to was an extra with no lines in the movie, which made him quite difficult to identify, obviously, so that there was no caption that included who these people were. So his mom wrote to me to see if I could help identifying him. And... Eventually, with the help of a Hollywood archivist, we were able to, to figure out who that was. Well, meanwhile, Ryan is making all kinds of statements about his past life, and his mom's sending me emails, sometimes on a daily basis, and he's talking about how he had had, uh, how he had danced in New York, 
and then he'd gone to, to Hollywood where he was in movies, and then he worked at an agency, and how he had uh, seen the world on big boats, and how he had this big house and a swimming pool. Uh, all of this, to me, seemed quite unlikely for an extra with no lines in a movie. Uh, but eventually we figured out that he had pointed to a fellow named Marty Martin, who in fact had had a life just like that. He had danced on Broadway, and then he'd gone uh, to Hollywood, was in movies for a while, and then started a successful talent agency. Uh, did, in fact, uh, uh, go to Europe on, on the Queen Mary, and uh, did have a large house with a swimming pool. Uh, Ryan had said that his address, his street address, had the word rock or mount in it, and Marty Martin's uh, house was on Roxbury. So uh, there were all these details that, that Ryan knew that we were eventually able to confirm, but it would have been impossible for him to, to know before then. Hmm. Already, so, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Well, well we were just going to back up a bit because I, I wanted to ask you here, Jim. yeah well I, I wanted to ask about your your methods because you know where we live in the age of television you can just plop your kid down and Sesame Street sort of acts as like a babysitter for some of these people so how do you determine if a kid is uh, telling the truth about his memories instead of just repeating something that he heard he or she heard on TV or from friends or especially if they don't start talking about other lives until they're like four or five well, it depends what they say. I mean, there are certainly some where you you couldn't tell if, if it was something the child might have heard naturally or, or whether uh, there's more to it than that. In a case like this, I mean, it took us a heck of a lot of work to um, determine anything about this Marty Martin. There was nothing, or there's virtually nothing on the Internet about him. Uh, and, and there are other similar cases where it was just so obscure that... Um, yeah, you might find his name on Ancestry.com, but you're not going to find out any details about someone's life. I mean, there are plenty of people where even in the age of information, uh, you, you can't just have the person's life at your fingertips. No, that's, that's a very reasonable answer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I accept that. Yeah, are, are there children who talk about multiple lives? Um, occasionally. They're not very many. But Well, there's but, one sitting here right now, if I may... Point to my son, but I'll get into yeah, that if he doesn't. Not, if you don't mind, I now uh, whatever. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, we do occasionally have kids who will talk about two lines. Um, often Only one two? In, in more detail than the other. Yeah. Uh, well, and occasionally more than two. But not yeah. Two. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll tell you. Well, I just you know I wanted to bounce this off you anyway, uh, Doctor Tucker. I, when Ben was, um, you know, never mind four or five, but as soon as he could talk. He was going on about uh, being a soldier, and, and there was nothing really about any any amazing detail. Well, there were there were some details, uh, and it kind of struck me because you know I'd already kind of developed an opinion on this subject, but I found it extremely interesting. And what you know, whether it's past lives or parallel lives, that's uh, I guess six of one, half dozen of the other. So I don't know. It just uh, was, that's why I wanted to ask the question: Are there um, children who describe multiple lives? Because he, he was going on about three or four or five. Uh, yeah, we we do occasionally get that. Yeah, that could have been uh, again, just there's a... usually one that sort of predominates, but but it doesn't happen. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's something I just wanted to mention. And now, I mean, as far as being a soldier, if he talked about dying as a soldier, that would be quite typical. Of, of I don't remember him doing that. Well, one of the one of the suggestions has been that reincarnation memories uh, might be ancestral memories. However, I can't imagine you inheriting a memory about dying. <laughs> 
Well, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah, and the three-quarters of our kids do. And needless to say, people pass on their genes before they get to the moment of death. Well, unless, unless we're dealing with, with parallel lives and multiple identities, uh, us really all ultimately being each other, one part of the multiverse or other. But that's, that's our opinion. Maybe, you know, I'm certainly open to plenty of others because we could always be wrong. Uh, but in any case, I remember um, several uh, situations that... Um, uh, that made me wonder, and, and you mentioned it in your book, as far as Ryan is concerned, too, the psychic factor. I almost hate to use that word because it's got so much baggage. But do you find that children who have reincarnation memories that you judge are legitimate uh, are also very sensitive or psychic, as the case might be? Well, it varies. I mean, most of the families have said that their kids have no psychic abilities. Um, but there are exceptions, and, and maybe more exceptions than you would expect in the general population, but it's hard to know, really, because, you know, we don't know how common those are. But, yeah, I mean, Ryan had, had some impressive statements, of, of uh, uh, usually about family members that, that proved to be, uh, predictions, really, about family members that proved to be true, um, which, you know, makes you wonder about, well, the memories, is, could that be psychic information as opposed to an actual memory from past life he lived um, but again for most of the kids that they, they don't have those things so it, it seems to be if they do have psychic abilities for some reason they're all honed in on just this one previously deceased individual hmm okay what what about the uh, in reference to other cultures there have been some remarkable cases in the literature that have come down uh, about cases in uh, India, say, or different, even Africa. Have you found that certain geographical areas are more, or the people in these areas are more prone to reincarnation memories, or has that has that come up? Well, it's certainly easiest to find cases in cultures with the belief in reincarnation. Sure. Um, and I mean, over the decades, uh, Ian Stevenson and people like him have generally looked where it's easiest to find them. So, you know, we've had associates looking for cases for us in places like India or Thailand or Burma. Um, but we don't really know the actual prevalence anywhere. There was one study done, one survey in one part of India a number of years ago now that found a prevalence of one out of 450. But the researchers said they may well have missed cases. Uh, we are currently conducting a survey here, actually, a random sample survey of, of Charlottesville, where I am, as, as well as surrounding counties, uh, to see what the prevalence is of, of young children talking about past lives. And, and um, we won't have anything to compare it to, whether it's more or less common than, than most of the world, but, but at least it'll give us some idea of what it's like here. Um, but I will say, I mean, cases have been found wherever anyone has looked for them. They've been found on all the continents except Antarctica. And, um, <laughs> Nobody talked to the penguins, huh? Well, that's right. Uh, yeah. As far as we know, the penguins are not experiencing that. Well, that, that leads. Ben, did you have a question? Well, no. The, th the thing that comes to my mind is one of the general arguments against reincarnation um, is that if people are being re reincarnated, why is the population of the Earth growing? That's that's one of the, that's just yeah. that's all that popped into my head. So well, there, there's relevant. an addendum to that. Uh, maybe uh, some people might find it entertaining. I, I have actually heard a, a serious researcher. Uh, give the explanation that one of the reasons a lot of people today seem to be so a little bit intellectually lightweight is because they're they're all new souls. There are so many, 
So, <laughs> I don't know. So, I, whatever. What say you, Doctor, on that issue of uh, why the, you know, the population and the uh, reincarnation thing? Well, the population is increasing, but there's certainly plenty of people who have lived and died before. I mean, there to uh, cover what's alive now. The estimates I've seen are about. Um, 105 billion people have died, and you know we're at what seven or eight billion people on the earth. That's true. Yeah. Now, it would need to be that the interval between lives would be getting smaller as, as there are more and more of us. Um, but certainly, you could have just a finite set of souls that are, are uh, reincarnating. But as, as you mentioned, another possibility, of course, is that new souls are being created, and, and I don't see anything wrong with that conceptually it would just mean that some of us have had past lives and some of us haven't all right would you say that well first of all what do your uh, what, do, what do your medical colleagues think of this work well it varies uh, but you never know who's going to be open to it that's so, true i find uh, the same thing yeah yeah the, i mean i get emails from physicians all the time and, and uh from people here at university of virginia where they're they found the work quite intriguing, and then, of course, I'm sure that there are plenty of people who think it's a silly waste of time, but fortunately, most of them don't usually say that to my face. So it works <laughs> right. out just mm-hmm. fine for all yeah. of them. Just sort of a philosophical question, well, one of several to come, I guess. Do you feel that, uh, I, supp- I, don't, I don't know where you are spiritually, but no, nobody can tell that but yourself, even that's hard to do, but I'm wondering, uh, do you feel that there's sort of a spiritual vacuum in society today? The churches have maybe, a lot of people feel the churches or synagogues, whatever, have let us down, and that uh, sort of new age interests, which are really old beliefs, reincarnated, if I may use the term, are more attractive to many people today, and that's why there's uh, such attention given to this subject. People want to believe they don't go poof when they die? I mean, is that uh, a factor here in the interest? Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a group of people now labeled spiritual but not religious, and and I think that uh, group has certainly grown over the last 50 years. Uh, But actually, even uh, even among American Christians, according to polls, 20% believe in reincarnation. That's an interesting subject, but we'll take that after the break. Uh, We are going to take our break now. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON 1240 in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Don Brunell inviting you to join me for ON Midday, weekdays from noon to 2, right here on ON 1240 Radio. We've got gold cuts, guests, and our daily super quiz. The Midday Show, right here on ON, local radio at its best. ON Radio, ON Worldwide. And I wanted to mention one of the charities Ben and I have adopted. This is, we are in the last days of National Mentoring Month. And mentoring, for those who don't know, of course, is taking someone, when you have an expertise, especially in business, taking some young person under your wing, uh, sometimes an at-risk young person, and uh, mentoring them, bringing them forward into a better life and better possibilities for their futures. And uh, we have adopted Youth Mentoring Connection. It's the other side of the country from where we broadcast, but it's uh, in Los Angeles. And it's a marvelous organization that uses a very ancient form of human relations known as Salbona. It's an African word. We'll get into that later, maybe, because uh, 
Tony LeRae, the founder, is going to be on the show in a few weeks. Uh, really interesting, applying uh, some really marvelous ancient techniques to at-risk youth today. Uh, it's not something you hear about every day. So Youth Mentoring Connection, and it's uh, youthmentoring.org, uh, I should say, and check it out. They're a marvelous group. We've also adopted several veterans' charities, of course. Uh, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, our, our friends to the north who've been shoulder-to-shoulder uh, -shoulder with us in the war on terror, and uh, usacares.org, check that out as well. Do wonderful things for American veterans. And locally here in the southern New England, Builders Helping Heroes, Rhode Island Builders Association, doing some great stuff for those who really need it as far as homes and uh, remodeling are concerned. Great stuff. All right, let's get back to our guest, Dr. Jim Tucker, and we're having a fascinating conversation about reincarnation, its implications, its processes, and what it might mean, this sort of thing. And uh, so if, uh, unless you have a question, Ben, I'll get right on. No, go for yeah, it. Okay. All right, uh, you had mentioned before the break, Doctor, that we had, uh, there were a lot of people who believe in this, uh, both Christians and, and Jews who officially do not believe in it. However, if you look back in the history of both religions, you have... Um, a real strain of belief in reincarnation. Uh, Origen, the ancient church father, who was, was considered a heretic, but uh, he believed in reincarnation, and there were several ancient versions of Christianity before St. Paul took over the whole thing that believed in, in reincarnation as well. Uh, he, there, I had a rabbi tell me that uh, really one of the essence, essential beliefs of ancient Judaism was reincarnation. And uh, have you looked into the history of the belief in reincarnation at all? Uh, yes, and, and you're right. I mean, both of those, The uh, I'm not an expert on this, but but with the Kabbalah, my understanding is with Judaism, certainly includes reincarnation. And there were, were definitely early Christian groups that uh, believed in it. So it's not something that to modern people uh, seems, it seems sort of foreign to their belief system, but, but it's not necessarily inherently in conflict with, uh, the central beliefs of, of Judeo-Christian uh, doctrine, um, and, and, and again, there are, there are many people who, who hold it as kind of a private belief, even as they're practicing those religions. Yeah, well, I, I don't know if I agree that it's not in conflict with doctrine. It, 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 well, it, orthodox doctrine with a small O, it's, or, or a large O, it certainly is. But anyway, but again, people believe what they want to believe. That's essentially it. So uh, that leading into another question, if have you run into people who, uh, this is dealing with the near-death experience now, or have you looked into this yet? People who have near-death experiences, uh, have, have any of them, as far as you know, reported reincarnation experiences, because uh, I should say memories, because I, I have run into a few of those, and I was wondering if you had, and what the implications might be. Uh, the point of the question being, a lot of them report, not, every, not, not, not all of them, but a lot of them report that the, the tunnel thing and some, somebody to receive them at the other end, and then uh, the question would be, well, what happened then? That sort of thing. Of course, most of them came back, but, but, some, but if that's, if that's a, a standard phenomenon and people don't come back, what happens after the tunnel? I don't know if I'm making myself clear, but yeah, no, yes. have you drawn any parallels there? Uh, yes, and, and in fact, we, we, a number of years ago, we wrote a paper uh, looking at what we call intermission memories, where the children who, in addition to talking about past life, talk about events that took place between lives, and many of them describe um, experiences that are quite similar to near-death experiences. Hmm, and, and then as far as people who have had near-death experiences, some of them do talk about 
knowledge about reincarnation. And uh, Evan Alexander, whose who's book Proof of Heaven, of course, has been a bestseller for over a year, um, he talked about that. Uh, and then occasionally we get reports where, uh, in fact, I got one recently from a fellow who talked about when he nearly died as a child. He had the experience of going to this um, couple and being told, basically, that he could could um, connect with them and, and be conceived uh, as their child, and then he ended up surviving instead, sort of pulled back into his body. Uh, but but he had basically a, a full-blown near-death experience with the reincarnation theme, uh, so, so they can go together. Okay, interesting. There is a belief, very common, I'm sorry, Ben, were you going to... No, no. Okay, there's a very common belief that um, people can, at least in some cases, choose their reincarnation, the, the person they're going to be or the parents are going to be with. I mean, I don't know, that seemed kind of sappy New Age stuff to me, but have you ever found that in any way to be true? Is there any way to tell? Well, some of the kids report that anyway. Uh, well, what if they're born into horrible ghettos or terrible wartime situations? Or you know, who would choose to do that? Well, that's right. And again, uh, the, the experience may be different for different individuals. Mm -hmm. So it may be that some kids, for whatever reason, have more. I should say, kids. Some individuals have more control over the process than others. But but some do talk about uh, choosing their parents or being led to their parents. But you're right. Others. I mean, there are other kids who. Seem so miserable in the families they're in. It's hard to imagine that they picked them. Yeah, it all sounds very anthropomorphic to me in the sense of, of some of the reports I've heard of interlife activities, or you know, right down to you know talking with other people in control rooms and th you know, you name it. I'm sure you've, you've seen it all yourself or read about it all. Uh, what is your opinion about what if if all this is true? What happens between lives? Yeah, I mean, I think what you're describing is probably related more to hypnotic regression. Or, or Yes, that's right. Uh, yeah. A lot of my own knowledge of this, such as it is, comes from talking with people who do that. Yeah, and like Michael Newton, he's written several books. Exactly, about, yeah. Uh, experience Between Lives. I mean, I, my own opinion is that uh, I can't imagine that it's that... Uh, Well-organized? <laughs> Yeah, the, I, yeah mean, no, I agree. The, yeah, you, know, you, you go before a committee and then you get, you get pointed to your next life. But I, I suspect again that it differs for different individuals. Okay. That, um, it, it, I think everything may come down to being a creation of consciousness, and, and what gets created for each of us uh, may really vary quite a bit. Yeah, that, that that makes a certain amount of sense. Does the idea of karma come into play, or do you know? Well, our cases don't offer a whole lot of evidence for karma, uh, and certainly not karmic retribution where, hmm. you know, if, for instance, we've got a lot of cases, where, and this is one of Ian Stevenson's favorite areas, where the children are born with birthmarks or birth defects that match wounds uh, on the body of the previous person. So if, if a child has a birth defect, um, is not that it's retribution for in the past life having they chopped someone's arm off. It's that they had their arm chopped off in the last life, and then uh, my view is that their consciousness got so traumatized by that that it 
that's been produced in, in the developing fetus. Um, but, but it would not be a karmic retribution kind of thing. But why so physical if it's a spiritual thing? Well, because I, I think I think we get affected by uh, things that happen to us. So in a way, it's similar to post-traumatic stress disorder, sort of PTSD, where there are memories that traumatic memories that can have a big effect on us. And we know from working in other areas that sometimes mental images can produce very specific effects on the body. Well, in this case, if, if someone is murdered or dies some sort of grisly death, uh, then it may well be that they're, like with PTSD, they, they carry the memories with them. And in this case, uh, the, the developing fetus may be particularly susceptible to being affected by those, those mental images, and, and so the child has been born with, with a similar defect from what the previous person experienced. Well, this gets into some, some other questions. Uh, we, I don't know. We've, we've always, ben and I talk about sort of a super-consciousness, not in the Freudian sense, but in the sense of a uh, single consciousness spread across multiple bodies, multiple lives, multiple to, you know, all simultaneous, and the, there being a core consciousness. And what you say would seem to fit with that, at least the way, way we interpret it. Um, and there's also the phenomenon, I want to ask you about this too, uh, that, that I call the flashing nexus. That only came up a few shows ago. I never talked about it before, but we had a guest who was describing a, a near-death experience in which before he came back to his own body, as it were, he was the nurse, he was the doctor, he was another patient, and I've heard this on multiple occasions, not a lot, but um, is, would any of this fit, have you heard of any of this before in any of your research? Would it fit into any of the patterns you've described today? Well, I think that the idea of sort of super consciousness, um, it, it makes sense to me, that, there, that as we have the experiences from each life and then perhaps continue on to another life, that there's some... Um, sort of larger self that is, is um, experiencing these things uh, both, uh, that is separate and a part of it. But, but there may well be this larger self or, or this superconscious. Okay. Well, speaking of the ballpark, before I forget, I remind everybody to stay tuned after the show for the Boston Bruins and New York Islanders game right after, right after behind the paranormal. So we'll see how they do, reincarnated or not. But, uh, Doctor, have you always worked with children on this and what are the ages involved uh, yeah almost always children because those are the ones who report usually report spontaneous memories of past lives and the kids start very early usually around the age of two or three yeah as with and ben, that's... most of the time by the time they're seven or eight they, they have stopped talking about these things and yeah i was going to ask you that go yeah. on with their lives is it educated out of them or do they just forget well, most of them seem to just forget, and, and that's around the age that kids are losing their memories of early childhood anyway, mm. so it sort of makes sense that they would lose these. Um, but it may well be that getting more into sort of society and school and all that, that they just get wrapped up more in this life than so, so the, the other things fade away. Okay. Well, even in other cultures, have you, have you found that uh, being the same? Yes. Yep. Mm. Uh, but again, I mean, that's around the age that, that in all culture, I mean, all modern cultures, that um, kids start schooling of some kind anyway. Mm, okay. uh, but I think it's largely 
probably a biological type thing. There, there are tremendous changes in the brain going on then and, and um, sort of preparing the, the person for, for their life and, and letting go of, of some of the old stuff. Oh, okay. I'm thinking, and, and I'm having a senior moment here. I should have written it down, but I thought I knew the name. But it was a, a researcher some years ago who did research, reincarnation research with twins. Uh, someone who was uh, an MD of, of your caliber, I, I, I'm sure. And he found that twins tended to have, according to him anyway, tended to have the same reincarnation memories. Have you ever done any work of that kind, or are you considering it? Well, Ian Stevenson, I mean, certainly over the years we we collected a number of cases of twins, and, and it varies. Um, sometimes only one of the twins remembers the past life, but when they have both remembered the past life, they actually are, tend to be different lives. So, for instance, there is this um, pair of twins um, in Sri Lanka where one of them remembered being a violent insurgent and the other remembered being kind of a meek school teacher. And in fact, their personalities matched that early on in their lives. They sort of outgrew it, but early on, their personalities matched the, the past life that each of them described, but, but they were completely different with, with no connection to each other. Interesting. One of the things, and Ben brought it up, are the physical characteristics of this phenomenon. We had one, well, I remember there are several guests who we've had who believe they were reincarnations of other people, right. one being Edgar Casey. And uh, they they look very much the same in photographs and this sort of thing. Early photographs of Edgar Casey look look like uh, uh, this fellow and in, in this business. I mean, I mean, I was always taught that, that the genetics and the genes from your parents affect how you look. I mean, have you run into this? I mean, and and what what sort of, of of process are we talking about if you have these physical scars that you're previous self had, even though you had different parents. You see what I'm getting at here? I mean, wh yeah. what's, what's the connection here? How does that work? Or do you know? Well, I think as far as spatial resemblance goes, we, we have some cases where people report a resemblance and some where they don't. And, I mean, you're right. Things like facial resemblance would there'd be such a strong genetic component to it. You'd think so. things like birthmarks or birth defects, I mean, those would not, presumably, not be genetic, or most of the time are not genetic. Um, so, I mean, there may well be, I mean, I could postulate or speculate that there would be consciousness could produce like an epigenetic effect as far as what genes get expressed, so perhaps that could have some effect on yeah, yeah. what people look like. Uh, but but I will say, and there are a number of people who are doing work like this of saying, well, since I look like John Adams and that's who I was in a past life or whatever. I think if people do not have specific memories of a past life, it's really guesswork to to try to figure out who they were in a past life. So sure. I'm, I'm quite leery of that sort of research. Yeah. There has been some suggestion that, that researchers uh, look at possible family relationships, and certainly in, in places, I suppose, like Sri Lanka, in you know, neighboring villages, there might be a blood relationship between the person who is who died and the person who was their supposed reincarnation. I mean, and has any research been done on that to any great degree? Well, I mean, about a quarter of our cases, there is a, a it's the same family case. But but with the others, I mean, for there to be some sort of genetic thing, it would. I mean, as we talked about before, you pass on your genes before you die anyway. But yeah. but you'd have to be a descendant. I mean, there, if you're inheriting memories somehow, that 
you have to be a direct descendant of the previous person, and the vast majority of our cases, that's not, not true. Okay. All right. Um, now, what... Uh, what I was trying to think. Well, why don't we do it now? Because uh, we don't, we're burning up this hour with mm-hmm. a really fascinating conversation. Why don't you tell us about your books, your website, and where people can get them and find out more about you? All right. Well, thank you. The, the website is, is jimbtucker.com. That's the easiest place. I've got a link to the, our university website, which has a, a lot of our papers from journals that, that uh, are available now as, as PDFs. Um, the, the new book is... Again, Return to Life, Extraordinary Cases of Children Who Remember Past Lives. Uh, you can read about it on the website. You can order it from Amazon or any of the online sellers. And, and hopefully you can get it at, at your local bookstore as well. Great. Okay. And as I say, I, this is the finest treatment of this subject I've ever read. And there are a lot of, there's a lot of books out there I wouldn't use as doorstops on some of these things. But, okay. Now, let's get into the realm of, of, I guess I, it would be pure speculation because I know you haven't interviewed any dogs or cats. We have, well, I particularly have run into over the years cases of uh, what people consider ghosts of pets or animals, things of this kind. We even had, we have Mark D'Antonio on, He's, he, work, he works for MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, but he had a really strange, something that he and we interpret as a multiverse experience where a transparent dog actually walked into his, his lab and um, he stepped on it and there, were, there was physical resistance and the dog yelped and ran out of the room. He says, what the hay is that about, you know? So uh, as far as animal reincarnation, I mean, do you think that since it's possible with humans, in your opinion, is it possible with animals? Again, pure speculation. Yeah, well, speculating, I, I would, I don't see why it wouldn't be. Uh, you know, I mean, if consciousness continues across lifetimes, I assume it continues across lifetimes for, for any sort of creature. Okay. Um, and we have occasionally gotten reports from kids that they were an animal in a past life. Really? Okay, so transmigration. Uh, not something yeah. we hear very often at all, yeah. even in places where it's believed that it's possible. We almost never hear it, but, but we hmm. do get the occasional report. Okay. What would you say is the most interesting case you've ever worked on? Well, Chris, we talked about Ryan earlier, and then mm. the other one that, that I think is really extremely strong is James Leinecker, which is uh, a case that has gotten suppressed because his parents eventually wrote a book about their experiences. But James is a little boy who, uh, when he was very little, he, he loved his toy planes, but also around the time of his second birthday started having horrific nightmares four or five times a week of a plane crash. And he would be screaming, airplane crash on fire, little man can't get out. And then during the day, he would take his toy plane and repeatedly say, airplane crash on fire, and slam it into the coffee table to the point that I saw a picture of the coffee table that had dozens of dents and scratches on it where he kept doing this. And then he started talking uh, during the day some and, and saying that he had been a pilot and that he uh, had flown a, a type of plane called a Corsair, uh, that he had flown off of a boat and his dad asked him the name of the boat, and he said, Natoma. Uh, he said that he had been shot down by the Japanese, that he'd been killed at Iwo Jima, and that he had a friend on the boat named Jack Larson. Well, um, all of this was quite obscure, but his dad, after several years' worth of research, found out that uh, there was the USS Natoma Bay, which was stationed in the Pacific uh, during... World War II, 
Uh, it was, in fact, involved in the Iwo Jima operation, and it lost one pilot there, uh, a young man named James Houston. Um, Houston had, in fact, flown a Corsair, and uh, on the day that, that he was killed, his, his plane crashed exactly as James Leininger had described, how he got, uh, it got hit in the engine, burst into flames, quickly uh, hit the water, and sank, and that's exactly what happened. And... Uh, on the day that it happened, the pilot of the plane next to his was named Jack Larson. So all of the things that James Leininger said and that we have documentation that he said before the pilot was identified, uh, everything that James said matched with the, the one person that could have been who he was remembering, this James Houston, the one pilot from the Natoma Bay that, that died in Iwo Jima. Uh, so that was really quite a remarkable case that there's excellent documentation. Sure sounds like it. Yeah, well, we had an uncle killed at Iwo Jima. Oh, is that right? Huh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, in the East, uh, particularly among Eastern religions, the goal of the spiritual life is to escape from reincarnation, as, as you know. Um, Westerners don't seem to do that. They just seem to be relieved that there's a possibility that they're not going to, as I say, go poof. How do you escape from reincarnation? I don't know if you've gotten into this, but how, in your opinion, would you escape from reincarnation in, in the sense that a Buddhist might, might suggest that you do so, or a Hindu? Yeah, I mean, they certainly talk about sort of evolving and, and you know, eventually reaching nirvana, getting off of the wheel of life. Um, I mean, who knows? Who knows what happens with that? But but certainly, well, I think we can all hopefully work toward becoming better people. And if we get the opportunity to do that across lives, uh, then that's all the better. Uh, with the idea maybe we don't have to get it perfect just this time around. And then, you know, eventually what happens, I, mean, I guess we'll all find out one day. Yeah, well, that, that's, that's true. Probably the greatest parallel between your thinking and ours is, the, is that, and, and I've, I've had cases where th there's been a, a person or who was, first they were afraid of me because they thought I was a ghost. They saw me in whatever world they were from, at least that's my interpretation as, as a they would say, as a, uh, a mist or something. And uh, I actually listen, I have listened on several occasions as their memories have changed as we talked and they, they became someone else, not in the reincarnation sense, sometimes a full-grown adult. Who, it was like the lives were, were melding hmm. rather than birth to death. You know, but again, as you say, maybe it's very individual. Maybe it's... Uh, um, a matter of consciousness, depending on, on the individual, et cetera, et cetera, so, as you've said. So, very interesting. Okay, could, I think we have time if you can give us maybe one more case uh, that you found extremely interesting and illustrative of, our, of your, uh, your points here. Um, sure. So, one that I start off the book with, this is the first case that actually I was ever involved with, this one that Ian and I studied together. It's a little boy who was born with three birthmarks that seemed to match uh, lesions on, on his deceased half-brother. This half-brother had um, died of, of metastatic cancer, and, and before he did, he, this, he had a tumor that caused him to... He broke his left leg so he would limp. Um, he had a, a tumor above his right ear that, that was biopsied, how the diagnosis was made. Uh, he had a central line with a large IV uh, going into the, the right side of his neck, and then he was also blind in the left eye by the time he died. So this little boy that we saw, um, he was born 12 years after the half-brother had died, and 
he had things that matched all of these. He, he had a, a nodule above his ear where, where the boy had the tumor. He was essentially blind in, in his left eye the way that his brother was from this capacity. Um, he had a, a what looked like a cut on his neck where the, his brother had had the IV that went in. And when he grew old enough to walk, he even limped favoring his, uh, his left leg. Um, he also talked about, about this past life of his brother, including giving some verified details uh, to us. Uh, so it was one where he had the memories, but, but along with the memories, you, you had what looked like physical evidence of, of a connection to this past life. Hmm. Very interesting. What, in your opinion, is the future of reincarnation studies? How, how far can this go? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I think in the immediate future, uh, I'd like to continue to collect strong American cases. I mean, Ian focused mostly on, on Asia, and I mean, it's great that we've got over 2,500 cases, um, but we don't have a huge number of, of really strong American cases, and we obviously have some, as we've talked about tonight. Uh, but I, I think the more we can get of those, the, the harder it would be for people to, to ignore the, the evidence. And then beyond that, I, I hope we're able to learn more, or at least speculate more uh, uh, soundly about what all this means and, and about sort of mind and consciousness and, and how it may be able to, to continue on to, to another life. Okay, very interesting. Well, Doctor, thank you for a fascinating conversation. Indeed. I think we're certainly going to do it again. And um, we wish you the very best of luck in your work. And again, uh, why don't you mention your book and website one more time? Sure. The, the website is jimbtucker.com, and the book is Return to Life, Extraordinary Cases of Children Who Remember Past Lives. And thanks very much for, for the interesting conversation and, and for having me on the show. It's been a oh. pleasure, and uh, maybe we should stay in touch off the air. Indeed. Sounds great. Very good. Thank you again. Thank you. Okay. Jim B. Tucker, everybody. Dr. Jim B. Tucker, University of Virginia. Okay, Ben, take it away. Alrighty, so you can visit our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, where you can find nearly 500 free podcasts of all of our past shows from uh, both ON 1240 and our four-and-a-half-year run on CBS Radio, along with special shows and podcasts. You can also check out our site at www.NewEnglandGhosts.com, where there are case studies and photos, along with articles by my dad. And speaking of books by his dad, you can find them at uh, Barnes & Noble Nook, e-reader, Amazon Kindle, Amazon.com, all the usual suspect places. Amazon.com, of course, being the neighborhood bookstore these days. But if you buy them directly at our show website behind theparanormal.com, I will autograph them for you, and you will help us keep all those many podcasts free, and they're growing by the week, of course. Also on our sites... Uh, you will find direct links to several charities that Ben and I have adopted, including USA Cares, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, and as we mentioned, Youth Mentoring Connection in Los Angeles. Great, great work being done there by Tony Loray. And uh, we certainly remind you, of course, to stay tuned after the show for the Boston Bruins-New York Islanders game right here on ON 1240. And next uh, Monday, February 3rd, right here on WON 1240 and ONWorldwide.com, we will bring you the second installment of our fascinating discussion with uh, astronomer Mark D'Antonio on uh, exoplanets, UFOs, and the multiverse. So get your questions to us at paul at behindtheparanormal.com or you can call in. And don't forget about our show Facebook page. You can just head over to Facebook. You can type in Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno and we will pop up. You can like us and you can send us messages that way if you don't feel like going through the good old uh, email or calling in. Right. 
And we leave you this evening with an uplifting thought from our old friend, Albert Einstein. Weakness of attitude becomes weakness of character. So, Ben, have you, did Dr. Tucker change your opinion on reincarnation at all? No. No, 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 no he didn't change mine. I, I'm, no. I'm very impressed with the work. I'm uh, intrigued that a, a man of his caliber, a MD, a sort of doctor of medicine, child psychiatrist. Is, is it was a, a good try. It was, it was some nice information, but yeah. I'm, I'm still not convinced. Well, again, we could be wrong. Yeah, that's true. No, no. But, I mean, the, I think the processes are very... Uh, very interesting in any case. So anyway, I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno, and thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we shall see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.